0: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And today we are talking about History of the
1: World, Part 2. I believe the voices. it's History of the World, Part 2 there we go
0: the long awaited sequel to mel brooks's history of the world part 1 which was released in uh i believe 1979 1980 i think 81 81 okay i uh, got the rough time frame right uh and uh I- i'm actually not even sure it was a long awaited sequel i think that the that calling The original movie, History of the World Part 1, and teasing a possibility of History of the World Part 2 was itself a joke, but nevertheless, uh, the uh, prophecy came real. History of the World Part 2 is made. It's now released as an eight-part miniseries on Hulu. Jesse, can you tell us a little
1: bit about History of the World Part 2? Or like uh, the Hot Shots movies, Part (laughs) 2. Um. Yeah, I, I, it's just like the first one. It is sketch comedy that uh, uses different uh, aspects of uh, history uh, to and, and tells those stories through comedy. That the you know main recurring stories we have the stories of uh, the Russian Revolution. We have stories of um, Ulysses S. Grant. there's stories of Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, uh, and and those are recurring. We also have stories of, of Jesus. We have references to the uh, the original history of the world, Part One, where there is a brief uh, Hitler on ice sketch. The beginning in the first episode, and at the end of the eighth episode, there is another Jews in space sketch. Uh, so uh, if, if those were what you were looking forward to, you will not be disappointed. Uh, but but it is taking the idea of the first movie and turning it into an eight-part series series Uh, Many more sketches that are shorter, uh, many brilliant comedic voices, the the three headed uh, monster comedic voice. And this is Nick Kroll, Ike Barinholtz and Wanda Sykes. And in a way, in addition, of course, to
0: the great and legendary Mel Brooks himself.
1: Right. Mel Brooks uh, is is not seen on screen at all. He is doing the voiceover. Untrue.
0: A CGI version of him is seen a couple of times superimposed onto a. I believe it's Fabio's body. I'm not sure if it's Fabio. It's a, it's a, another actor uh, who's revealed later, but yes,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, um, Fabio esque body.
1: But but uh, in a way, it's it's Mel Brooks, who's 96 years old. I think 96 or 97. It's it's his way of passing the baton and passing the torch to a new generation of comedic voices. Uh, Mike, have you been anxiously waiting for 40 plus years for History of the World Part Two? And if not. <laughs> What do you think of this?
0: (laughs) Okay, so uh, let's first uh, just uh, clarify something so I don't feel uh, all that much older than I really am. I was not alive uh, when the original History of the World Part 1 was released. Um, I was born in 1983, so I uh, missed its original theatrical window. Uh, But I uh, watched and fell in love with History of the World Part 1 probably about when I was 11 or 12, I'm not sure, Um, along with uh, many other uh, uh, movies in Mel Brooks's uh, filmography. I believe uh, 11 and 12 year old uh, Jewish American boy is exactly uh, Mel Brooks's target demographic, or at least was uh, for a a significant portion of of his career. Uh, So I, I, I adored the original history of the world um, I would, you know, go around singing and quoting, uh, you know, uh, lines from it and and we're songs Jews, from
1: it. We're Jews in space.
0: Yes, right. So that has the distinction of being essentially the uh, the, the the dry run of uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. The song from Robin we're Hood Men in Tights. We're
1: men. We're men in tights, tights. Tights.
0: Uh, and, which also is a movie that I adored growing up. Uh, I, you know, I. Um, Uh, I would, you know, I would go around, you know, uh, the schoolyard saying, hey, Torquemada, what do you say? I just got back from the auto de fe. Auto de fe? What's an auto de fe? It's something you oughtn't to do, but you do anyway. Uh, Uh, My my personal favorite was Inquisition. What a show. (laughs) Right. So I I could go around. It's good to be the king. Uh, I could go around quoting that movie Till the Cows Come Home. I will say. Um, that I, I went back before watching part two, uh, a little to cringy, re- to rewatch History of the World Part One for for probably the first time in I don't know twenty years or more. Um, I would say it's, yes, it's a little bit cringier than than I remember. Uh, uh, you know the the the, uh, the, the uh, uh, sensibilities around humor uh, in 1981 uh, were let's say uh, somewhat different uh, than they are in uh, 2023. Um, and uh, my sensibilities as a forty-year-old were are different, uh, I think, than they were when I was uh, eleven or twelve. Um, hopefully, that's for, for the better. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's an arguable point. Um, and you know, and and I think that our just way of consuming media is is different uh, than than it is now. So um, uh, I actually did feel this when I was twelve that some of the sketches. Uh, went on uh, a, a little too long uh, in the original. Uh, the the you know in particular the the uh, Rome sequence, the, the ancient Rome sequence, and the uh, French Revolution sequence uh, in the original movie are, are are pretty long. They take up the bulk of the movie uh, as, as uh, in in my uh, impression of it. Um, they they certainly have a, a lot of great moments. Uh, but, uh, but, but they just kind of feel like they drag a little bit to me. So uh, this history of the world part two um, problem solves for that, or at least uh, takes into account the sensibilities of the audience of 2023 a lot more. The, the, the skits are, uh, the pacing is a lot uh, uh, faster. The skits are a lot uh, punchier. There's a lot less of the, of the sort of like, elbowing you in the side like huh, "Huh? Did you get it? Did you get it?" a lot of a lot less winking and nudging uh in this one than I felt like there was in the 1981 version, which I think is a hallmark of Mel Brooks's humor um is that kind of like wink and nudge Mel Brooks has historically embraced the lowbrow um has uh historically not been a comedian of of great subtlety um, uh, sure. and, and with, with a lot of pride in that. He's been very gleeful about his lack of subtlety. Although I think in his lack of subtlety, there is actually a lot of nuance and a lot of subtlety. So I was very excited for this. Uh, and to me, uh, I had some quibbles with it, but did not disappoint. What about you, Jesse?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I would say two things. Um... Uh, if you look back at History of the World, if you look back at Robin Hood Men and Tights, if you look back at Blazing Saddles, uh, there's a lot of Jewish humor, uh, very uh, uh, Jew-y humor. Um, and so I sort of wonder how that would hold up. Um, there there were certainly some cringe Jewish humor moments uh, e- even in, in this series in, in part two. Um, I don't know if it's okay because it's, you know, Nick Kroll telling it that the the whole, uh, you know, Hitler on ice, although, you know, talking about a, a, a pretty clear way to talk about raging anti-Semitism in, in France these days is that uh, the French were the only one who, who gave Hitler a, a score of 10 uh, when every other country uh, gave him zero in, in his, uh, uh, ice capades performance. Um, but I would say it's fine. What I also wonder, um, this is going to sound terrible. I wonder if it was necessary. I, I mean, I think it was necessary in, uh, it, most importantly, its inclusivity, right? That that it was much more inclusive humor uh, than than the movie from 40 years ago. All comedy is now, or you hope it is. Um, I think that helps that Wanda Sykes, a, a black gay woman, was one of the, the three head writers on the show. And so you're making sure that the voices that are representative and the stories that are being told are much more inclusive. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us when we talk about inclusivity of community. The other thing is, Mike, I don't know uh, if you ever watch, uh, have watched Drunk History a little bit. I used to, I watched the like uh
0: sketches when they were on YouTube but I never watched the series.
1: So so I wonder you know Drunk History is a series that's been going on for for many seasons on Comedy Central and so you sort of wonder is this the same thing as Drunk History? It's just Drunk History arguably has done it longer, maybe even did it better because the stories are more drawn out, right? It's every episode is a story rather than this where it's, it's shorter sketches, which in some ways uh, what was better. And in some ways maybe did itself a disservice.
0: Yeah. I mean, you listen, you're, you're asking very interesting questions. I think, uh, we, you know we often uh bring up the question of you know is this necessary um and my response to that is you know I I, I don't I don't think about that question uh quite as much uh because I think my, my bigger question is is this entertaining uh and the company that makes it their biggest question is is this going to make money right so um I, I think that you know if 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 they're satisfied if they think it's necessary in the sense that like people are going to buy it right and I think it's you know, did it entertain me? Did it do anything interesting? Whatever, you know, that then that more than justifies its existence to me. So, is it was it necessary? No, I, I mean, maybe, arguably, yes, because uh, Mel Brooks teased it in 1981, uh, and uh, and and we haven't gotten it since. But yeah, there are other things that have you know scratched that itch in the meantime. Drunk History being another one. Uh, um, we haven't talked about this, but uh, I, I really enjoyed. Kunk on Earth which is a uh new uh um uh, mockumentary, uh history of the world uh series uh mini series on Netflix uh, uh with uh with a, uh, a a fictional character uh journalist fictional journalist named Philomena Kunk uh who uh and the joke is really on her being kind of like um not very smart and in interviewing very smart people about the history of the world and and uh and you know trying to get them to sort of break and point out how she's not very smart. Um, but what that sh- what that series also does, I think, is um begins to or acknowledges that we, you know, in, in the West, we, we tell history through a very particular frame, through through a very particular lens. Uh that that's you, you, know, you mean white. Right. Uh white European. Sure. Uh and um and, and and you know, so in Kunk Earth, like there are a few points where she says, you know, um. First of all she says like you know the, the earth was nothing mattered until humans came on earth right and then basically like nothing mattered until white people started doing things right and that is present in the first history of the world uh, movie right it's a very kind of like white narrative of history the the cavemen in it are white Moses is white I mean they're many of them are Jewish too but they're but they're white right uh, the only real person of color that I can remember having a significant role in History of the World Part One is Gregory Hines, who uh, who, who plays uh, an enslaved person, uh, or I believe, as he's called there, a slave, uh, in, uh, in History of the World, in the Roman sequence of History of the World Part One. Um, and that characterization is probably problematic, some people would say. So it's a very white narrative of, of history in History of the World Part One. What I think this version of History of the World corrects for is is that it, it uh decenters in a lot of ways um and makes fun of in a lot of ways the eurocentrism of the, how we tell history sure um there there isn't as much uh there isn't really a lot of african history i think that that's a a blind spot of this history of the world but there is um a, a good degree of your of uh, of eight of uh, Eurasian history Genghis Khan and Kublai Khan have a significant uh role in this uh, and, and
1: and the whitewashing of history right, right. like the, the fact that like it intentionally portrays a black a, a, a white Jesus right and and and, and folks so that, that so that is, I love that by the way that's what I want to come back to
0: uh the the swoll body on which uh, Mel Brooks's 1981 Face is superimposed is the it's body Jesus. Of, of Brock O'Hearn, who also comes back uh, to play Swole Jesus. Uh, later that is a great sequence by the way and that's going to what i'm going to lead into uh in 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 talking about what you raised about the jewish humor of it so um uh the, there is a uh, you have this uh series of different takes on jesus's uh life throughout uh with a with a uh with people of color uh playing jesus and the apostles um uh you have uh, uh you know the a story of uh, uh of um you know, you have a take on the notebook with uh Jesus and Mary Magdalene you have with with uh with with black actors you have a take on uh um get back the beatles documentary uh with uh with with uh, with uh, you know a cast that's primarily people of color playing Jesus and the apostles and then you get to the council of nicaea in the 4th century with uh, mostly white european uh, um cardinals gathered to uh to say, okay, what's the official story of Jesus we're going to tell? And they do it like a Hollywood focus group. I think it was really effective and very funny. Um where where, where they're where they're saying, you know, um I really want the white cardinal saying, I really want a Jesus who who looks more like me. And the person leading the focus group uh um uh, played by uh Jillian uh, Bell uh, says so you're saying you want a white Jesus And he's like, no no, no, you're saying that. I, I didn't say that you're saying that but in, in the end they come to you know we're gonna have a white uh, muscular uh, militant Jesus that looks a lot like the Jesus that is you know celebrated in many corners of uh, of, of white America nowadays um, as the you know dominant model of, of like who Jesus is blonde hair, blue-eyed, hot um and uh, and and militant. Um, and an embracing of, of militarism, which is you know uh, diametrically opposed to the Jesus that's portrayed in a lot of ways in the Gospels, um, although has maybe some seeds of it there. Um, so what I want to say, so you so you do get that they are making fun of the whitewashing history. You get that in the Shirley Chisholm uh, skit that is uh, um, woven throughout the whole series, uh, and, and, and in a lot of other ways. And I and I loved that. And, I, and so here's why I think. Uh, the Jewish humor for me worked uh, in a way that when we talked about you people, it didn't quite work, um, and, uh, and 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 uh, and and how I thought it fit into the kind of whole uh, the 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 whole of what uh, Mel Brooks and, and crew were trying to do with this, um, which is to put it simply, right? A, a lot of uh, folks said, you know, the essence of of where humor, you know, the dividing line between humor that is problematic and not problematic. And I think this is an oversimplification. There are ways in which it doesn't work, but essentially humor is problematic when it involves punching down and humor is not problematic when it involves punching up, right? So when you are living in a, 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 a society that is still, uh, under the founding shadow of 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 the of the white supremacy and settler colonialism uh, that that really shaped it, um, uh, Jews, of course, in a lot of ways, do benefit from white privilege, uh, and so white privilege is also a major target of this history of the world um, but but also you know the ways in which jews are are still a minority community still vulnerable still otherized uh, uh in 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 a, in a lot of ways um that's why the that's why mel brooks's jewish humor uh version of jewish humor and why this movie's version of jewish humor you know really worked for me in a way that you people's didn't like you people's leaned into the whiteness of jews um and and portrayed jews uh, and Jewishness as sort of um, synonymous in a lot of ways with whiteness,
1: uh-huh. uh,
0: whereas, whereas history of the world uh, said, okay, there may be some overlap here, and there definitely is overlap, but there are also ways in which Jewishness um, is distinct from whiteness, and in 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 our Jewishness, we are still marginalized, we are still vulnerable, we are still persecuted, we are still Threatened, um, and so we have a, a responsibility. I think Mel Brooks would say to sure. uh, to, to make fun of um, a, a society and a cultural lens that um, uh, that that views Jews that way.
1: I think I think that's fair. You know, what I wonder is the, the humor about Jesus, for example, about Catholicism. Um, I I found funny. But I also acknowledge, like, I'm a Jew who disagrees with their theology and ideology thinking it's funny. Um, I sort of wonder how those of other faiths, of those faiths, feel about that type of humor when it is intentionally um, putting down. And it's really it's Jewish voices. Maybe Wanda Sykes is involved. I think Ike Barinholtz is also Jewish. Um, but, 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 uh, right. It's, it's, it's Jewish voices, uh, putting down another religion. Um, I guess my question to you, Mike is why do, is it acceptable for us to laugh at that, but, uh, the, the sort of Jewish jokes or Jewish humor that comes in this film is only acceptable because it's Jewish writers that are doing it. And if it was a non-Jewish writer, uh, making those jokes, Um, we would question it.
0: Well, again, I think it it is, you know, again, this, I recognize this is an oversimplification, but again, I think it's, it's, it's the issue of punching up versus punching down, right? So uh, um, uh, I think for, for, for really just about any other um, uh, 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 identity group to uh, make jokes about Jews um, would be problematic uh, for for a lot of reasons, depending on the nature of the joke, I, I think that. So I, I read the the Christian humor a little bit differently. Um, I, I I certainly you know it would be interesting to have a conversation with you know one of our Christian colleagues um, or just a you know a Christian people on the street to see what they think. I suspect that there probably are a lot of people who would take offense uh, to it. My, my sense of of my of the you know the, the circles of of, uh, of Christians that I run in, which are you know tend to be a little bit more progressive um, would actually uh, uh, appreciate the ways in which this movie was uh, or this series was uh, was was poking fun at the at the way Christianity has been uh corrupted over over history right So I think you know one of the principles of satire um, is uh, is that you have to respect the thing that you're that that you're that you're making fun of. Um, and, and so it, you know, for for it to really work for it to be funny. it's why um weird Al works so well uh because even though he's parody and not satire uh that uh, that that he actually like respects the musicians and the musical forms that he is you know poking fun at um and I think that that's one of the reasons this works so well. I think that actually it, it struck me that they took uh uh Christianity very seriously right? like, the, 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 the core messages of, uh, of Christian tradition is actually really present, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in at least history of the world part two. Sure. Um, uh, and what, what they're making fun of or, or trying to like poke at is, you know, that it would be offensive for some people to see a black person play Jesus. Um, uh, that, uh, that, you know, that, um, that, uh, that, that, there has been a tendency in christian history uh, to you know to say well you know uh uh this one jewish person didn't like jesus and so uh therefore you know meaning judas right betrayed jesus and so therefore we're going to say you know all the jews throughout all history are responsible for the for the uh, uh for the death of our lord and savior uh, and uh, sparking you know j- centuries Millennia of anti-Semitism. Right. So, in, in other words, like that, I I think that they're not making fun of Christianity per se, but of a uh, uh, the sort of cultural appropriation of Christianity that has distracted it from its original message. Uh and, and in that way, like I don't think that they're making fun of Judaism per se, right? They're, they're, I don't see Mel Brooks as making fun of uh the 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 core teachings of Jewish tradition. What what they're making fun of is you know, are are sort of the quirks of uh of you know Jewish culture um that is tangentially related to Jewish religion uh but not making fun I think of the religion itself. So for me it, it works and and I don't find the that humor to be problematic. But again, you know, I, I only see things through through my lens. You know, there, there there may be plenty there certainly are ways in which the original one um, may read as much more problematic to people of color, to uh, to, to LGBT people, um, than than it is than it reads to me. Um, uh, you know, as somebody who kind of looks at it through through uh, something of a lens of, of privilege.
1: I think I think that's that's fair. Um, the the show teases a part three, right? That, that this show is really. Um, 40 years in the making. We thought that this, that the idea of calling a history of the world part one uh, was a joke that would never be fulfilled. Um, and and uh, maybe I think Mel Brooks didn't ever plan on it uh, until Nick Kroll had a conversation with him. Um, my, my question for you, Mike, like this teases a, a part three. Do we want that? Do we need that? Will that add something to the conversation?
0: Okay, so uh, first of all, one of the things I loved about this uh, show, I-, I don't remember it being part of the first one, uh, but uh, there was a kind of a running gag in it that every time someone used the phrase history of the world, so like this is the first time this has happened in the history of the world, they would say this is the first time this has happened in the history of the world, part two.
1: Part t- yeah.
0: <laughs> which is, which is a, well, I thought, just a chef's kiss touch uh, of the movie. Um so I think this is a good place to to talk about uh the the legacy of Mel Brooks uh and and what was smart about what he did here. So uh I think that uh and and this is also I think a way of, of of talking about, you know, why this resonated for me on a as a rabbi and on a on a Jewish level is I think what Mel Brooks is showing here is how to, you know, first of all, uh be a person who um who can uh, evolve over time. Um, right, so uh, if Mel Brooks uh, had exactly the same comedic sensibility that he had in 1981 and made a History of the World Part Two in 2023, based on that comedic sensibility, there's no way it would have worked. It would have been really problematic uh, and uh, and 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 probably not funny. Um, and and so here you see, I think uh, you know, a 96 year old comedian being willing and able to, uh, to, to, um, to, to recognize, you know, that, um, that, that times have changed and, uh, and the way I'm going to connect with my audience and make my audience laugh, um, uh, and tell truths. I mean, that's what, you know, you know uh, comedians really are supposed to be. That's what I loved about the originals, you know, that, uh, the earliest comedians were stand-up philosophers. Um, uh, that, uh, uh by the way, one of the great jokes of History of the World, part one, uh, is, uh, uh, when the stand-up philosopher goes, uh, Mel Brooks' stand-up philosopher, Comicus, goes, Comicus. Uh, go, goes before Dom DeLuise's uh, emperor. Uh, he says, you know, oh, these Christians, they're so poor. And then you know, how poor were they? Uh, they're so <laughs> poor, they can only afford one God. Um, so, you know, I, I, I liked uh, that. That's a good Christian joke in the original. Um, but uh, uh, that if, if he had done... That this time around, um, it, it just wouldn't have landed. So I I, I think that that is um, a, a particularly Jewish um, quality um, that uh, that that Judaism, as I understand it, um, is one that has built-in mechanisms. Um, designed to enable judaism to adapt and evolve over time i think that's one of the reasons one of the secrets of jewish survival one of the reasons judaism has been so resilient um one of the reasons why there's so much jewish diversity um is because uh judaism uh, uh adapts uh over time uh to the uh to the to the needs and demands and the 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 cultures and uh that that uh, in which it operates so um I think that that's very Jewish about Mel that's something very Jewish about Mel Brooks um and this and the second piece of it is that uh that Mel Brooks is sort of passing the torch here passing the baton you know do I wish there were maybe some other comedians besides Nick Kroll and ike Baronholtz uh that he's passing the baton to Wanda Sykes is of course a legend also um uh yeah you know there there are but the, but I, I don't know I mean the 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 uh the the cast of this throughout is just you know, uh, I can't it's hard for me to think of a comedian um that that I wish I had seen in this um that you know may not have been like the the most present comedian in it but um uh, but wasn't there right Sarah Silverman was there and uh uh Jack Black was there uh you know so many great uh people here um that really represent you know sort of like the the next generation of the Mel Brooks of the world um and and, and so I love that about about him. It just says so much about Mel Brooks that he's that he's uh uh, uh prepared to say um that um that there's gotta be heirs to my legacy that uh, that 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 uh that 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 my the insights the truths that I'm telling the the jokes that I'm making um have uh uh ha- ha- deserve to live on. That kind of humor deserves to live on. Um, and in order to do that, I have to, you know, as we say in Judaism, to pass it down Lador Vador. Like we're gonna pass the Torah on. Um, and so he's doing that here. So would I like to see a third history of the world, a fourth history of the world? Sure, why not? I mean, I I I laughed a lot in this one, I wasn't prepared for it to be eight episodes. Uh, yeah, um, it
1: was a bit longer than, than I thought it was going to maybe be. Maybe they
0: could have broken it up into two seasons. Um uh, uh and you know, they had a part three as well. Um, but maybe they wanted to make sure that they got all of this out while Mel Brooks was still alive. Um, but would I like to see a part three if it had Mel Brooks's blessing? For sure.
1: You know, something that that you said, which I think is something that we as Jewish communal leaders and as a Jewish community need to remember. Um when you talk about how uh comedy has evolved and and our telling of of stories has evolved um it, it really gives a lens into the jewish community um i think about that a lot that there is humor and that that was acceptable 40 years ago that even mel brooks acknowledges is not acceptable humor today it is uh Exclusive and exclusionary. It is, you know, arguably offensive, right? That that there was humor that was common uh, and acceptable that was um, homophobic or or, or transphobic or racist. Uh, You you see Mel Brooks walking the line in some of that, actually, in History of the World Part One. we we can I know Mike uh, you and I spoke uh, before we started recording comparing that to Chris Rock's most recent stand up uh, where he actually uh, made some real transphobic transphobic uh, uh, comments uh, in an attempt to score a few laughs but uh, I think this really speaks to our role as rabbis and the role of the Jewish community is how Judaism Jewish ritual Jewish practice evolves over time. If you look at the challenges of most synagogues today, I think most of them are because of lack of evolution, lack of innovation, that if you walk into a synagogue and you feel like you're still in 1981... Right. Um, and not in 2023 why would you be uh, a part of that i'm not watching you know tv with, with, with my bunny ears television and, and you know turning between my seven channels i'm not playing atari uh, i'm not using my rotary phone right? we, we we live in, in a time of of grand innovation and we understand that uh, religion uh, ha- has evolved as well not the course of of our faiths right I think the mission of history of the world part two and history of the world part one is, is the same it, it's it's about humor some of it lowbrow humor but but humor to uh tell uh to make a certain point about not history itself but of how we see history through our own narrow lens at times and I think right Judaism our, our core idea of what Judaism is hasn't changed it's just the the agent or, or vehicle in which we present that must evolve over time, right? It's the, the blockbuster versus Netflix debate. Um, it, it's that it's it was still about a movie even before Netflix became what it is. But it was the idea of I need to shop in the aisles on a Saturday night to choose the movie I want or I get a DVD sent directly to me or I can stream those movies when I want on my uh on my device and there's even an algorithm that suggests movies that i would like based on other movies i've seen it's about evolution and i think the evolution of humor that we see in history of the world part 1 to history of the world part 2 speaks to that um and, and it's our job to understand how the jewish community has evolved how the jewish community members expectations of what our task is what our job is to to, to uh, serve the community uh, and to shape the community has evolved as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's right. Um, you know, I, I was reading a, a piece about that Chris Rock special um, uh, in the New York Times the other day by Roxanne Gay, who's a professor at uh, Rutgers University. Um, are uh, you
1: rah, rah? Are you rah, rah? Hoorah, hoorah, Rutgers, rah. Let's go, Scarlet Knights. Yes.
0: Uh, And uh, so the the piece is called Chris Rock Looks Very Small Right Now. And it is also, you know, resonated with me because it's how I felt when I was watching uh, Chris Rock's recent special. And she says this, which I think captures what you're saying, right? Mr. Rock uh, has previously had a flare. uh, Sorry, Mr. Rock has previously had a fair amount to say about wokeness, like many successful comedians of his generation. He and his peers have achieved immense success but still don't know how to cope with the cultural shifts that naturally occur over a long career instead they want to keep the conditions that gave rise to their success forever preserved so they can say whatever they want and trust that their audience will love them for it and i think that you're 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 expressing that that uh tendency is not only true of comedians it's true of um, of of religious traditions as well right so you know a, the conservative movement is i think a prime example of this you know we the conservative movement uh, uh rose to its heights in the uh, in, in the 70s 80s and and 90s um and 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 struggles right now because uh you know the many of the institutions uh, uh that you know that that sort of uh remember f- with fondness those days you know want to uh preserve Uh, what, uh, what, you know, what, uh, what they felt like they were when they were at their height without recognizing, you know, the, the major cultural changes um, that have led to the decline that they've experienced um, and are necessary for how to engage people today in in the first place. So the, the question always is, you know, how do I tap into, you know, the, 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 the core, right? The, the, the fire at the heart of tradition, um, but, uh, but. But package it in a way, uh, as it were, um, uh, that is meaningful and relevant uh, and resonates with uh, the you know the needs of uh, people today, the cultural context in which we're we're in today. It's not an easy question to answer. I don't pretend that I have all the answers. That it's that it's you know that it's simple. But I do think that that's what Mel Brooks is is showing us here. Um, is you know we love Mel Brooks because. Uh, he's got sort of like a Borscht Belt sensibility, and he makes Jewish jokes, and he laughs at himself, and he laughs at other people, and what really the core of the original history of the world, the thread that runs through all of Mel Brooks in a lot of but ways- But you even
1: said it, right? It's a Borscht Belt sensibility. Go to the Catskills. How many of uh, you know, the, the, those places, right. the, the Grossingers or, or the the Nevely, right? How many right. of those places still exist?
0: Exactly. And so I think the, the thread that runs throughout Mel Brooks's career in a lot of ways is- you know uh how how silly people are right um and uh uh and 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 so long as you like remain true to that core just kind of like re- repeatedly point out our, our 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 sort of like silly predilections you know um that uh that you know that that we want to make like really serious robin hood movies because like we're living in really serious times uh and then he says no, like we're going to make like we're going to show that Robin Hood is actually like a very silly story of like men running around the forest in tights. Um and uh you know and that you know uh like we're going to make like really serious, you know, space operas. Right? No, like it really you might as well just be doing Jews in space. Um because <laughs> that, that's um that that like, you know, uh fascism is about like creating a master race. Like no, like like Hitler is like, you know, just a just a ballerina on ice. Um like we we should laugh at ourselves like that's the through line of Mel Brooks um, uh, uh, that you know that that I think is is a a, a message worth preserving a, an insight worth preserving um, it's I think noteworthy that the miniseries I don't know if it was intentional but it's noteworthy to me that the that the series dropped on on Purim or coinciding with Purim right which is a holiday about making fun of ourselves laughing
1: yeah. at ourselves.
0: Um, and, uh, and that's the core, I think, of Mel Brooks's comedy. And it's then like, un- said- it's
1: a holiday. It's about unadulterated, uh, often offensive humor, humor for humor's sake. Right. And then, and then, uh, I, I think that
0: your point about, you know, the way in which we view our history, which is, you know, often, uh, triumphalist and, and, uh, um, uh, has outcome bias, um, is skewed you know, through the lens of our own vantage point and our own perspective. Um, uh, what he's saying, you know, and I think that that's actually, you know, the show dropped on uh, around Purim. We're now in the days leading up to Passover. Passover is all about how we look at our history, how we tell our stories uh, and, uh, you know, uh, whose story we're telling and why um, and what does that story mean to us. That's really what history of the world is is calling our attention to and pointing out. So to me, you uh, uh, I would, you know, uh, m- m- you know, Mel Brooks may pass away, God willing, he'll live to 120 and joy. Uh he looks like he's doing great. He's got a big swole body. Um, <laughs> and he looks just like he did in 1981. So that's amazing. Um, but uh, but Mel Brooks won't be here forever. Uh and uh Mel Brooks will go. And now long live Mel Brooks, right? H- that kind of humor will live on because he showed uh us how to uh, continue that legacy uh, uh, moving forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, a, that's worth, uh, worth noting, um, you know, as we carry on the legacy of Mel Brooks, Um should also note that his son uh, Max Brooks in, in his own right um, is, is really a, a writer. Um, Max Brooks uh is really responsible for lots of um uh, zombie stories the, the zombie survival gu- guide uh which really became um the story of world war z became a, a movie um and so his own legacy and his own family lineage i'm sure that there are many more stories to tell going forward
0: All right well we want to know what you thought of history of the world part 2 uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we uh, love to continue the conversation with you. Uh, love to hear your thoughts uh, and ideas for what should go into History of the World Part 3 in addition to uh, the, the the sketches that were teased uh, at the end of History of the World Part 2. Uh, and, of course, continue the conversation with us uh, by uh, smashing that subscribe button. Uh, uh, please rate and review us uh, so that more people can find us. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Until then, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf.
1: And I'm Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. Take care, everyone.